G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Many an organisation has been consumed by its own bureaucracy. It grows and then there are committees and dysfunctional management structures and before you know it, it topples over. Well, churches are no different. Unless we manage growth and structures, we end up nowhere. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond and welcome again to a different perspective as we take a look at church management. They say, don't they, that a camel is actually a horse designed by a committee. And, you know, one of the things about people living together and working together is that the more of them you have in one social unit, a family, a workplace, the local kids' football club, a church, the more people there are in a group, the more important it is to have some structures and to get those structures right. I tend to think of a church more as a living organism than I do an institution or a building. It's alive, full of people, part of one body, the body of Christ, hopefully pulling pretty much in the one direction to achieve the things of God here on this earth. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. But often, churches turn into a maze of bureaucracy, an amorphous mass of dysfunctionality, committees, leaders, groups, factions, regional committees, denominational committees, general meetings. And seriously, I've seen it. And you've seen it. I remember talking to the Vice-Chancellor of a large university in Australia a few years ago over breakfast. We were talking about the politics in his university and he said rather wistfully, I fancy, you know, I'm pretty certain that my university is just 50 different cost centres held together by a common car parking policy. (laughs) Quite funny, I thought. But you know, I've been to churches that are a bit like that too. When it comes to church, some people think that structures, you know, the odd committee, some form of designation of having departments perhaps in a larger church, department heads, whatever language you want to use, some people somehow think that that's unspiritual. But actually, you see this very thing happening in the Bible as a matter of practical necessity. As Moses was leading God's people Israel through the wilderness, pretty early on in the piece, he discovered he couldn't do it all. Have a listen. We're reading from Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through to 24. The next day, Moses sat as judge for the people, while the people stood around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is it that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes and instructions of God. (laughs) Well, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. You should represent the people before God and you should bring their cases before God. 
teach them the statutes and instructions and make known to them the way they are to go and the things they are to do. You should also look for able men amongst the people, men who fear God, are trustworthy and hate dishonest gain. Set such men over them as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case for themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, and God commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all of these people will go into their homes in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law, and did all that he said. So you see, sometimes structures are a practical necessity. Moses couldn't do it all. He had to appoint men over the thousands, the hundreds, the fifties and the tens. There was a management structure. And you see it in the New Testament too, where the 12 apostles in the early church found that they were becoming so tied up in the day-to-day administration of the church that they had to appoint seven trusted men to handle that so that they could get on with what they were meant to be doing. You can read about that for yourself in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. The long and the short of it all is that once a church starts to grow, some sort of structure and accountability is necessary to share the workload and yet make sure that we're all still pulling in one direction. And it's not so much the existence of the structures that grind churches into the ground. I've mentioned on and off this week that great book by Christian Schwartz called Natural Church Development. It's based on the most comprehensive church research survey ever undertaken, over a 1,000 churches in 32 countries with some 4.5 million responses. This is what the research discovered about structures in the church. Have a listen to Schwartz. Our research confirmed for the first time an extremely negative relationship between traditionalism in management structures and both growth and quality of the church. And by that, he means things like discouraging leadership structures, inconvenient worship service times, demotivating financial concepts, things that may have worked in the past, but now they've become traditionalistic ruts. The thing that works is the thing that Moses and the apostles figured out. They needed structures that promoted an ongoing multiplication and growth of the ministry. Leaders aren't simply meant to lead, they're also meant to develop new leaders. Often our expectations hold us back from achieving that. We expect that everybody should always have direct access to the senior minister or the senior pastor. Now, people don't expect that in really big churches, but they do in smaller churches that are growing. Ministry is only ministry if it's done by the minister. That's the expectation. I don't know where we get that from because it's not in the Bible. If you've been part of a church, you may have seen how outdated leadership styles and management structures just make the place dysfunctional. On the other hand, this simple principle of minimalistic bureaucracy and functional streamlined structures can make the place hum and facilitate growth. It doesn't feel like it's particularly spiritual talking about this management structures in the church. And it's something that most of us probably don't even give a second thought to. But if the structures have become unwieldy, if if the approach to management is rooted in traditionalism of yesteryear rather than being relevant and empowering for the current generations, then that's going to nobble the church. 
People are going to feel like they've been tied in a straitjacket. There won't be any innovation for trying something new. Schwartz makes an interesting point. In biology, dead matter and living organisms aren't told apart by their substance, but by their structure, the structure of the relationship of the individual parts to one another. There's an intimate connection between life and structure. Creation was an act of forming and shaping and structuring things. And Schwartz writes, a comparative creative act occurs wherever God pours out his spirit within the church today, thus giving it structure and form. One of the most effective churches I've ever seen was a Filipino church in Darwin in the Northern Territory of Australia. The elders of the church were literally the older men. Initially, I thought, mm, I wonder how this is going to play out. But the structure of the church was such that whilst the elders provided the wisdom and the framework, men and women of all ages were empowered to serve in what turned out to be one of the most vibrant church communities I ever visited. That's why functional, streamlined structures are things that you need to look for in a church. Good structures, good management and leadership empowers the church. Dysfunctional structures will tear it apart. Before we go, I'd just like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at PowerfulPrayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you and let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time Monday with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.